0: This is the Organizational Health Advantage podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Org Health Advantage Podcast. I'm your co-host, James Felton, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Keith Adley. Keith, how are you doing today? Doing great,
0: James. Excited to be here. Excited to talk about today's topic on team
1: norms. Yes. Team norms are super important, we feel like, because these are really the behaviors we're encouraging and teams are aligning on to make their meetings as productive as possible. Is that how you would say that Any would you nuance it any other way, Keith? I'd say meetings or any
0: other interaction, but for sure they show up in, in our meetings. And sometimes we think of norms as like, hey, these are the rules that we set for ourselves.
1: Yeah, and they are outside of a company's core values. Of course, oh, yeah. we would need to live those as well, but team norms get a little bit more specific based on the behaviors that we might fall into as this collection of of people or this team. And those might be different than other teams in the organization. And so we really encourage teams to identify what would be the most helpful team norms for them. And helpful is actually probably contrary to comfort. Like we are probably asking people to step out of their comfort zone a little bit and do what is best and most productive for this specific team to operate. In fact, yeah, an executive could be on this team and leading a different team and those team norms could be very different based on the other people in the in the team.
0: Yeah, yeah. This goes back, I mean, we've been using team norms forever, but a while ago Google did this amazing study called the Aristotle project and yes. they, you know, they they discovered with with data some things that I think a lot of us intuitively knew was true, but they were looking at, you know, the highest performing teams compared to the lowest performing teams, what made the difference and trying to use every organizational development theory and see which one applied and what it all boiled down to was some pretty simple things. Like, for example, teams that had established psychological safety outperformed teams that didn't, and we call that vulnerability-based trust. But the other big discovery is that teams that had taken the time to create team norms Outperformed teams that didn't take that time. And what was interesting about that project was it didn't even, it, it wasn't like teams that had developed the right team norms. It was just teams that had norms, just like, I, I, you know, I'm going to do best if I can show up in a predictable environment. So if you tell me how I'm supposed to behave, I, I'm going to do better. And it could be like team norms are simple things. It might be like maybe one team needs show up on time because they're not showing up on time. Or, you know, no team meeting lasts more than 20 minutes because they were going too long. So there's not like the universal truths. That's kind of right. more the core values. It's like, what does this team need right now? And and I think we've seen the best teams that leverage team norms will change them. Like, what are the four or five we need right now? And then six months go by and we've kind of mastered those things. And what what's a new set of team norms we need right now? You know, yeah. know, depending on how we're controlling our behaviors or maybe adding new team members in or reconfiguring the team. So James, have we said enough about how our team norms different than core values? I think people get those two things confused. Have we said enough on that?
1: Well, I think we probably have in terms of like the core values or what everybody in the organization should be living. Right. But they're yeah. a little bit more macro. Right. Yeah. And so when we get this team together, we see how this team functions and maybe some of the like pitfalls or blind spots of certain members of the team. And so it's like, all right, we want to, we want to make sure we don't live into those or live into our personality silos. And, and we behave in a way that's like, what's best for this team. In fact, Keith, on our team assessment, there's a question there, number eight. We see it all the time as being one of the lowest scores ever or one of the lowest scores for that team and that assessment. Most teams have it as a low score, I should say. And that number eight is team members call out behaviors that hold the team back. Yeah, yeah. And I was just talking with a client who I just started working with and we had been in a, in our first offsite. And, you know, we, we had a discussion around like, some people behave this way. Like this, this person says it like it is, you know, quote unquote, but it can be unproductive because they push buttons a little bit. And in fact, one statement was about 80% there, like perfect. And then he tapped on something that once he said it, I knew it was It was going to elicit some defensiveness and some unproductive discussion because he kind of pushed somebody's buttons and, and the leader said, well, that's just Bob, by the way, it wasn't Bob. That person's name wasn't actually Bob, but that's just Bob being Bob. And that's what team norms overcome. It's like, we yeah. don't need yeah. that kind of unproductive behavior just because that's who somebody is, right? And so we need totally. to put in some team norms that are going to prevent that. Also, when we have team norms, it makes it easier for the leader and other people to hold someone accountable to the behaviors we're, we're trying to avoid. So, yeah. Yep. An easy example would be the people who are on their cell phones during meetings or on right. their laptops. It's like, hey, no technology in the meeting. That would be a team norm. And if we saw somebody pull out their cell phone or their laptop, that would be so unusual that we would actually hold them accountable in a positive way by saying like, hey, Keith, is there something going on that we should know about? Because clearly we have no technology as a team norm and this is an outlier behavior, what should we know? Like help us tell the right story about what's going on as opposed to like a public lashing as, as this leader referred to it. And what I like about that
0: example is then the the next team down might not have that as a norm. You know, there's some teams we work with, they're like, Oh no, we all take notes on our laptop. And we're like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to have that no technology norm. But then the norm might be, you know, are you ever tempted to check email during the meeting? It's like, oh yeah, every now and then. So like, okay, well then our team norm is like, you know, fully engaged, be all there, you know, no yeah. email during the meeting. And so it's, it, you know, these aren't intended to be like universal truths, but these are just good reminders that help that team stay focused and and be at its best. Uh, depending on how the the patterns of behavior that need to break. I, I was thinking, James, as you said that. Uh, You and I were on a team once where um, everybody loved to laugh and you and I loved to laugh and we are good at like the snarky comments and, (laughs) and what was happening though is every time we would meet, it would start to turn into like 10 or sometimes even 15 minutes of like people adding on and adding on and adding on. And finally somebody was just like, look, you know, like this is so unproductive. So even though you can think of something funny to say, like we have to stop that. So just like, Hey, like i can't remember how we how we phrased the beating but it was just like take the humor down a notch it's unproductive you know no yeah. unproductive humor and the next team over might not have needed it
1: right you and i have been in sessions with clients where there's you know there's kind of the class clown and yep and they they don't say much unless they're saying a joke and it would be like right. Hey, you know what? Like we actually need to hear from you more strategically and culturally than we do in a humor setting. Like, yeah, you know, we want to like, could you just index the other way? Right. And this brings to mind two team norms that I've heard that address this, but from a different angle, each one, you know, Alan Malali, our good friend from, from Ford, when he got there, he realized trust on the team was really low right and and he realized sarcasm wasn't going to help it grow so he said hey one of their team norms was we could have fun with each other but never at each other's expense yeah and i've had that conversation with teams where it was kind of an accidental value sarcasm was kind of an accidental value and then you bring it up like does everybody enjoy sarcasm Is it helping to build trust or erode trust? And people say, like, I actually don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. And it actually prevents me from fully trusting this team. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's great. We needed to know that. So that was Alan Malali's perspective. But I also love Greg Popovich, who's the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, and he's won multiple NBA championships with them. He has a different team norm, which is you need to be able to give a dig and take a dig mm. because on an NBA team, you folk, they're, they're traveling so much together and they're spending so much time together, like on the practice court, in the film room, obviously in games, on the team bus, on the team charter, you know, like it's just kind of a norm in, in sports teams to like, Hey, we're going to be a little sarcastic with each other. You need yeah. to be able to take it and give it. And, and what I love about that is like, it sets the expectation to fit in, you know? Yeah, totally. In both an Allen setting of like, let's eliminate sarcasm on the team or Greg Popovich. Let's like, it's going to happen. So you need to step up.
0: What I love about that example, James, is that's exactly what we were trying to get to with, you know, what is a team norm? I actually, I would, I would do fine in both of those settings. Totally. Personally, like I I love sarcasm and I can take a dig and give a dig, but I've also seen the destructive impact of sarcasm. So if I was joining either one of those teams, first of all, it'd be way more fun to be on Popovich's team. Um, (laughs) But if if I was going to join either one of those teams, I would do fine, but I would need to know what the rule is because what would not be okay is if I showed up on Alan Malali's team, like Mr. Sarcasm and give a dig and take a dig. And then and then realize like, oh, that's outside the norm. And people were looking at me crossways because I was, you know, behaving poorly. But then nobody ever told me what behaving poorly was defined as.
1: Yes, I actually joined a team. And you know me, I have like snarkiness as part of my DNA, and sarcasm as part of my DNA. And so it's totally. like I joined a team. And that's where I went. Because like, hey, that's, that's kind of my love language, you know, is snarky, totally. sarcasm, sarcasm. And I was realizing like, oh, I'm actually kind of offending people and they're not taking it the way I wanted it. And they're not giving it back. And like, this is so different from what I'm used to. Yeah. And it would have been so helpful if I had known that before I joined. Right. Yeah, you know. So I think it's it's up to a team leader to take
0: the responsibility to establish team norms and our to keep this super practical. We would um, yeah. we would say like no more than four or five. One of our consultant colleagues that we work with told the story of a client that put the team norms on a flip chart and then made that her Zoom screen background. So every time. The team had a Zoom meeting right there, front and center. Over her left shoulder was the was the team's team norms, and it was simple things like cameras on, or be on time, or come prepared. So let's James, let's do some rapid fire. I've got I've got some of my favorites in front of me, but let's go rapid fire. Like team norms that we've seen teams use, and maybe just a sentence or two about like why did that team need that team norm? Because not every team needs every team norm. So uh, right. you want me to get started? Yeah, sure. So, I, I, one of my favorite ones that I, I often will suggest to a team, it's a team norm that says silence is confusing, and the sub headline is, you know, let the, let the team know where you are on a topic. And I've seen this being necessary for teams that have a mix of introverts and extroverts. So, extroverts love to think out loud; they process their thoughts. You you, you always know where they stand. They're typically more expressive, even in their body language. They they will show you if they're agreeing, disagreeing introverts more reflective. They're kind of refining their opinions in their heads. And so on teams where there's a lot of silence following a question, I'll say, okay, you know, hey, if you're silent, I don't know what that means. Does that mean you agree? You disagree? You're mad? You're processing? You're disengaged? Like those are at least five different options. So I just say on this team, silence is confusing, which means you're obligated to just send us a signal with a thumbs up, a head nod, or, hey, I'm processing. Now, that, that team norm was often balanced for the extroverts to say, like, you know, hey, create space for everyone to share. And th- yeah. so that, that was a team that needed both of those reminders to have the most productive conversation. So I, how about one
1: from you? Well, along those lines, and I think I might have learned this from you, is something from the Supreme Court, where it's mm. everyone speaks once before anyone speaks twice. Love it. Yep. And, and obviously that is like helping the introverts get some space, you know, asking the extroverts to just take a pause. It's mining for conflict, you know, making sure we're hearing everyone's opinions out there or, or potential problem solves before moving on and advocating for your own. Yeah,
0: that's good one. Here's one that I always needed uh, you know I, I grew up in the Midwest, I grew up in Minnesota, and so like open direct conflict was something that i didn't didn't come naturally to me, and so a team norm we call it enter the danger, which is when I'm yeah. vibrating on the inside, as we'll say about something, I lean on that team norm that says just enter the danger, meaning just just say it it's usually not nearly as dangerous as it feels, and so it helps me overcome that tendency that I'll have to hold back when I should speak up. And and we see that a lot on teams in the Midwest or teams where you know people are coming more from that conflict avoidance or a tendency toward artificial harmony. So enter the danger. And then some other teams have that paralleled with say the kind truth, which is like, it's a good thing to enter the danger, but don't say it in such a way that you trigger a reaction just based on how you say it. So you know, yeah. speak the truth, but speak the kind truth. So, those
1: are team norms that we've often advocated for. Yeah. The, the last one that I would add, because it's getting a lot of energy of late, as, we, and we recently did a podcast about this topic, which is above the line, below the line. And so, the team norm would say stay above the line or live above the line. And that is encompassing the behaviors of being open minded, curious keeping a learning mindset and focusing on what's best for the organization, as opposed to being below the line, which is close-minded, defensive, focused on being right. Yep. And that one is like such a powerful one that a lot of teams are adopting that as well. Yeah, that's a great one. Um,
0: one that we have advocated for often is clarity and closure. So uh, I've worked, we've worked with a lot of teams. I've been on teams. I've contributed to a a lack of productivity around just like continuing to talk about something. And then if the team norm is like, okay, let's bring this to clarity with closure, that phrase, everybody knows what it means. And it was like, okay, you're right. What's the decision. What's the next action. Or like, Hey, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not super clear on what the outcome is here. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. We need to bring it to clarity and closure. So the whole team can normalize around this tendency to bring conversations back to a focal point of a decision or an action. And again, yeah. some teams do that naturally. If you got a bunch of, you know, on the Myers-Briggs, a bunch of ESTJs, ISTJs, ENTJs, like they're going to bring things to closure. But if you have a bunch of idealists and, and, you know, and artisans on the team, you know, that might not come naturally. So they need to be reminded so again, it's not a core value, but it's a good behavioral reminder.
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, we've, we've given five just now. We gave a few before or early in the podcast. And so those are great examples. Once again, the idea is to address the weaknesses or the blind spots of people or the team in general. Yeah.
0: Oh, I have a funny story there. Yeah. I remember doing team norms with the team and it was a team that like on our conflict continuum, everybody had a tendency towards artificial harmony. It was oh, like man. conflict was really uncomfortable for this team, which by the way, is super common, probably yep. more common than the opposite. Yep. And sidebar, I'm watching Suits on Netflix and it's a <laughs> it's a really entertaining show, but I've never, ever worked with a team that is even remotely close to the way those characters interact with each other in a workplace. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's great TV. No teams hardly ever do that. So this team had really entrenched around this idea of like conflict is something that we try to avoid. And so when I I asked about, Hey, what are some team norms this team needs? Like the first person, sweet soul, you know, raised her hand and just said, I think we should have a team norm. that's like, be respectful. And I was like, Hmm. I think you guys are pretty respectful. I think you actually need to like amp up being a little bit more like, you know, disrespectful or you need to like, you know, so for them, it was like, no, that's you guys have that down pat. Like, I've not seen anything that remotely looks like disrespect here. I think you guys need to like, you know, just say it. Like, so that, that was their new team norm. Like, just say it enter the danger, be brave. You know, it was like, oh yeah, you're right. We, our reminder
1: is be brave, just say it because we have to go to a place we don't ordinarily go. Yeah, and by the way, after you identify what are going to be the best team norms for your team, then how you put these in practice is remind the team at the start of the meeting, maybe even the middle of the meeting, you know, like, hey, remember, these are the behaviors we need to live into more than just what's comfortable for us and and when you see it or like see um somebody not living into it call it out if somebody's being closed-minded or defensive and you have a a a team norm of live above the line curious open-minded call that out right in the moment but you could say like hey keith we have this team norm of living above the line and I think you're going below the line right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, not that you would ever do that, but that's the, you know, that's how we would do it. That's how we would do it. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: Another way to super practical is when you're onboarding somebody onto the team you know, and, and, and yes. we've, we've worked with so many teams where we're in an offsite or in a meeting and it's somebody's first time in the meeting. That is a great way. If you have an established set of team norms, say, Hey, let's just, let's everybody take one team norm, uh, give the history of it. Why did we establish this as the team norm? Because we don't do it. And then talk about how we use it. And then that person knows like, okay, good. So this is, this is normal on the team. Yeah. One of our clients, James, you know, one of their team norms was headlines, just because five people on the team were long talkers, and as I am, and so it was like, "Hey guys, headlines!" And, and if you could see me right now, I'm kind of I have my hands above my head, and I'm kind of doing this like this signal headline. And so even the the physical signal of like doing drawing a headline in the air was a signal to the team or to the individual who was starting to go on too long, like, "Hey, hey, bring it back to the headline." It's like, "Oh yeah, that's right." So yeah. use this to onboard new team members, read them out at the beginning of a meeting, interact with each other over them, you know, give each other feedback specifically about them, all great ways of making this practical.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So our advice would be for each team, develop norms that are specific about their challenges, weaknesses, blind spots to help the team perform better and more effectively. Yeah.
0: And for what it's worth, we have a list of team norms that we've collected over the years. And if you want to copy that list, just shoot either one of us an email, keith.hadley or james.felton at tablegroupconsulting.com.
1: Perfect. All right. Thanks for your time, Keith. This was super helpful for teams, I think. And I look forward to joining you on our next podcast. Sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.